0: Welcome to Mature in Every Way, a study of James. I'm Renee Adelsberger. We're going to walk through this book verse by verse. For more from me, visit PedestrianGod.com. Let's get started. You study James 1, verses 16 through 18. I'm going to read it now. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. By his own choice, he gave us birth by the word of truth so that we would be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. James starts this passage with a warning. Don't be deceived. This warning seems to conclude his last segment in verses 13 through 15 on trials. He tells us that God is not tempted by evil and he himself does not tempt anyone. In verse 16, James picks up on that thought. Not only does God not tempt us, He actually is the only one capable of giving us good and perfect gifts. When we face difficult times, we may be tempted to point our fingers at God and blame Him for what's happening. But in reality, He is still our good God. Matthew discussed a similar concept in his letter. I had you read and answer questions about Matthew 7, 7 7-14 in your homework. It goes like this Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Who among you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you, then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, How much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Therefore, whatever you want others to do for you, do also the same for them. For this is the law and the prophets. Enter through the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the road broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who go through it. How narrow is the gate and difficult the road that leads to life and few find it. I believe that Matthew is referring to salvation in this passage. When we seek salvation and ask for it, the Lord gives it to us. That doesn't mean everyone receives salvation. After all, the gate is wide and the road is broad that leads to spiritual destruction. The gate that leads to life is narrow and the path is difficult. But in the process, for those who find it and are willing to ask for salvation through faith in Jesus, God gives it to them. Because he is the giver of good and perfect gifts. Matthew says that even we, sinful and selfish though we are, are willing to give good gifts to our children. How much more is God willing and able to give us gifts that are good also? We have to be on the guard against deception. It's possible that people were coming from the outside and telling lies about God. It would also be true to say that James is warning us against our own selves. Jeremiah 17, 9 tells us, The heart is more deceitful than anything else and incurable. Who can understand it? Our own hearts deceive us, which makes sense in the context of James, because he tells us we will be drawn away and enticed by our own evil desires. The picture James painted in that verse is one of fishing, When fishing, you find the appropriate lure for the fish you want to catch. You cast it into the water and reel it in, hoping a fish sees it, desires it, and takes the bait. We must not be like one of these fish. Instead, we must remain alert and difficult to be lured away from the truth of God. While we endure, we are to remain grateful and mindful of the truth that God is a good Father. He gives every good and perfect gift. My husband Kevin is the master of really, really good gifts. He has a skill for finding me exactly what I will love, even if I didn't even know it was something I wanted. It's a terrific skill to have and a tremendous bonus in a spouse. No matter how good a gift Kevin picks out for me, he can never top God's gift of forgiveness. Look at verse 18. By his own choice, he gave us birth by the word of truth so that we would be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Did you miss the opening four words? By his own choice. That's huge. Nobody twisted God's arm into saving us. He wasn't blackmailed into it. It wasn't a last resort that he tried after everything else failed. God chose the way that salvation would come, and he chose it so that we would be a first fruit of his creatures. James continues his conception, birth, and growth metaphor in this image as well. Just like desire conceives, gives birth to sin, and grows into death, so also God gave birth to us by the word of truth so that we would grow into a kind of first fruits of his creatures. First fruits is a word we don't use in our everyday conversations anymore. That's why I had you spend time on it during your homework. The first fruits were the first harvest or the finest produce that was set aside as a special offering to God. We see them in the Old Testament in places like Exodus 23:19, where the people were commanded to bring the best of the first fruits of your land to the house of the Lord your God. The resurrected Christ himself is referred to as a first fruit by Paul. 1 Corinthians 15:20-22 20 says, but as it is, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead also comes through a man. For just as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all will be made alive. And there is even better news God is a steadfast God, He does not change like shifting shadows. One of my favorite pastimes is to recline in my padded chair on my deck and read on a sunny day. But if I go outside around 2 p.m., the sun passes over my house just perfectly to cast a shadow on me. Every 30 minutes or so, I have to get up and move my chair so that I can stay in the rays of the sun. God is not like this. He is constant. In the Bible, light represents truth. John even goes into a lengthy discourse on light in his letter. I'm going to read 1 John 1:5 1, through 10 so that you can hear how John refers to the Lord as light. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light, and there is absolutely no darkness in him. If we say we have fellowship with him and yet we walk in darkness, we are lying and are not practicing the truth. If we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. To have fellowship with God, we too must walk in the light. It's also interesting to note that James calls him the Father of lights, rather than just the Creator of lights. Calling him the Creator of lights would be an accurate statement. The first words we hear from God in the entire Bible are, Let there be light, in Genesis 1 3. James calls us the first fruits of God, which would make him our Father that in turn would make us the light. Daniel 12 3 says, Those who have insight will shine like the bright expanse of the heavens. Likewise in Matthew 5.14, Jesus says, You are the light of the world. As his children we are to shine his light to the rest of the world, so that they too can receive his good and perfect gift of salvation. Just as God intentionally brought life to creation when he created light, so also he gives life to us. We shine not so that people can applaud us about how great we are, but rather so that they can see how awesome God is. Lord, we thank you so much for your good and perfect gift of salvation. Thank you for choosing to give us the word of truth. We're sorry for all the times that we have failed to walk in the light. Please forgive us for wandering into the darkness. Please guide us and help us walk in a right relationship with you. We love you. Amen.